close relationship with them and want to know how to achieve it. Here's your host, Ivory Lanoue, renowned angel communicator. Do you want to know more about angels? Are you ready to level up your spiritual journey? Then you are going to love my inner circle and Patreon. Membership includes great benefits like virtual workshops, mentoring programs, topical videos, interesting posts, a supportive, like-minded community, discounted sessions with me, and access to a library of videos and posts on topics you care about like angels, spirituality, healing, and personal growth. Join and begin your spiritual expansion today. That's the Angel Room Inner Circle on Patreon. Welcome to the Angel Room. So happy to have you here with us. Today's topic is discovering your gifts. And I found out there was a little bit of confusion about what I meant. No, I'm not talking about looking for your gifts in the closet in the attic before Christmas or your birthday. This is specifically about discovering your spiritual gifts. And it's actually uh, something I, I deal with every day with clients because a lot of light workers, a lot of people on intense spiritual journeys come to see me. And just yesterday, I had um, a really lovely lady I've, I've seen before who was asked me tentatively, I know you said something about this in your book, and I think I know the answer, but I have to ask it. Can you tell me what my life purpose is? Can you tell me what my gifts are? And I'm like, I can tell you a little bit about your gifts, but not your life purpose. And, and that's another whole story. But the gifts thing is something that unfolds. Most people have an idea about what their gifts are, whether it's uh, intuition or mediumship with spirit, mediumship with angels, whether they're an empath, which means you feel other people's emotions. You're extremely sensitive to what other people are feeling, thinking. Uh, there's other gifts as well. So um, you could be very sensitive, very tuned into plants and natural healing. You can be a healer. And so we're going to talk a little bit about all of this. When I talk with somebody individually, almost always there's some hints in their life, things that have been going on that make it pretty clear of where their gifts lie. But they weren't seeing it for what it is. They were not attuned to that specifically. So I want you to really think about 
as a child and as a young teen. Was there anything you noticed or saw, experienced or heard that other people didn't? And you might not have ever said anything other than, what's that noise? And people said, what noise? That, that singing. I don't hear any singing. That's just an example. And you might have just thought, oh, oh, why, you know, why I don't know what I'm hearing and just filed it away. And I'm not asking you to like tell me right here live on the show, but I'm saying think about this because the things that you have gifts in generally show up early in life. You know that you probably know that all children see spirit, they see angels, they're very sensitive to this, so are pets, but children typically grow out of that by about age four or five. But not all of them, and the ones who don't grow, who don't leave that behind, go on and carry those gifts forward. That doesn't mean they have to be a psychic, they have to be a medium, you know, it does not mean that. And it just because you're a healer, you're a natural healer, doesn't mean you have to do that. But then the other thing I like to tell people is please think about where your passions lie. Don't think about what you, what you want to do for a living or how much money you need to make. Try to push all of that out of the equation because it's not about doing it for a living. It can be, but that's one aspect of it. It's about your gifts, and that's a whole separate little topic. So try not to clutter it by limiting yourself, saying, oh, you know, I'd love to be a healer, but nobody makes enough money doing that. You know, ah, self-limiting. So besides, I see tons of people who have gifts and they want to develop them for themselves and their lives and the people in their lives. And maybe sometime down the road, they'll be guided to do something professional with it. And maybe not. It's not about that either. And that's something you need to be aware of. So it's also not about being the best. Some people will limit themselves and say, well, I know I'm intuitive, but I'm not as intuitive as this person or that person. Boy, comparing yourself to other people is a surefire way to shoot yourself in the foot. You will not progress. You will not feel trust and confidence in yourself. The only person you need to compare yourself with is yourself the day before, a week before, a month before, a year before. How are you growing? How are you progressing? How are your gifts developing? So let's go back to this a little bit. I was talking about this yesterday um, when I'm helping people develop their gifts. Sometimes they don't know what they are at the beginning. And so I have this program where we do some intuitive, we do psychometry, which is reading objects, getting psychic information from objects. And I have a really cool class for that. And where I send you objects or you, you come and you feel these objects and you answer these questions just quick off the top of your head. But people who can Impassers are good at this, people who can feel the energy of an object. So the other things I would help people with would be do a class on medical intuitive just to see if you have some gifts in that area. Um, card reading, uh, uh, communicating with angels, trying to, you know, doing some mediumship, doing uh, all different kinds of skills and doing some healing. So how do we find out? Like if you have no idea. We need to test the waters, don't we? And I suggest you do that. So if you don't want to take classes with me, it's totally fine. That's not the only path by means. There's other people in your area. You know, find somebody with a good reputation, somebody who can refer you. Or 
here's an idea, something you can do on your own. Do your own little test. You know, why don't you find a deck of cards you like? I love Archangel Oracle cards. And I know one of my new students, I had told her, um, here's the cards I use, but just get ones that appeal to you. And she got those cards because she couldn't find ones that particularly appealed to her. And she's like, I don't really resonate with these. And I'm like, I know. And see, you really need to go to a store where you can hold them, hold the deck, even if it's in a plastic wrap and just see, look at it, see, and see how you feel. I like to use cards that have no words or very bare minimum, maybe one or two words at the bottom. Because uh, when I was first developing my intuitive skills, I had a teacher who actually had me get what's called soul cards. And I still have that deck. They were hard to find for a while, but they have no words on them. And the pictures are really esoteric. And I like that because when you're working on your intuition, when you're trying to develop psychic skills, intuition, psychic, same thing, you are trying to go from what you feel, what you hear, what you know, not what a card says. So the cards are a tool for me when I use them. Uh, It helps me tune into the energy of a person or an animal or a place or a couple or a business, whatever it may be, an address of a home. But the point being, get yourself a deck of cards and just hold them and think about a question you have. Shuffle them as you do it and then fan them out. And as you're thinking about your question, pull a card and see what it says for you and tune into that. And see what you get and keep that in a journal. As you probably know, if you have my book, Let Your Angels Lead, you know I am a big proponent of journaling. I've done it for over 40 years. I have multiple journals, of course, because I do it a lot. But write down, you know, what you pick, the cards you pick, your question, the cards you pick, and the impressions you got. And then see what happens. You know, if you do that every day, it can even be... um, Show me, you know, I'm, I would like to know some information about what my day has in store for me and pull a card and then see how that day goes. It's just a little practice. You start with yourself. Doing it every day is really good practice for you. When you feel more confident, pull a few cards for a friend or a relative who's open to it and will just let you do that and do it as often as you can. See how that goes. And how do you know if you've got a gift for this? And I'm not talking about a gift for card reading specifically, but a psychic gift is do the things that you pick up and, and, and the knowing you get, the information you get, does it prove to be true for you and other people? You'll never know if you don't step out on a limb a little bit and practice. So let's say that you've had hits in your childhood and your teens and moving forward and things like that. I'm going to give you an example. One of my sisters, I'm not going to give her name because she belongs to a church now that would not think this is a good thing. She was was so gifted as a medium. Like She was about three years old, maybe four. We had just moved to Prescott, Arizona, and we were walking down a sidewalk. It was me, my mom, and my little sister. And a man, an elderly man walked by us. We did not know him. And my little sister said, that man is so sad. And mom said, what do you mean so sad? His little girl died. And we found out later his adult daughter had passed away. We didn't didn't know this man. She certainly didn't know this man. There were so many things like that with her. And she was definitely different. I remember knowing that, seeing that in her. Um, She would have been just 
fantastic medium, but she's decided that's not a path for her. Totally fine. But so if you have things like this, when you're a teenager with psychic, it could be like you, the phone rings and you just know it's your boyfriend or the phone rings and you just know it's your aunt and you haven't heard from her for a while, but you just know it's your aunt. Or you think of somebody and then the phone rings and it's them. You think of somebody and then you find out they were going through something at that time. You can get dreams that are psychic dreams. I get, I've always had, since I was very young, a lot of psychic dreams, just things that are going to happen, things that are giving me insight about things that I'm not noticing when I'm awake, but prove to be true later. Things like, hello, I agree, wake up to this. This person does not have your best and highest good in art. But if you really look back at it, you're going to see there were some things about you. And so, so you had this little gift and everybody in the world has the ability to be intuitive. Everybody has it. And a lot of people who come see me specifically decide to develop their intuition for business. Um, I started as a, a corporate intuitive and I still do a lot of that work. I really like it. And so a lot of business people are like, I want to have better intuition myself. And it just comes back to, it's a great skill to have for yourself, no matter what, no matter if you ever choose to use it professionally. You can use it professionally for your own business and not necessarily be a psychic. So let's talk about being a healer, some signs that you were a healer. When you were little, did you feel compelled to help people who were hurt, animals who were hurt? Did you like to, did you feel very tender and, and and uh, caring towards people, like more so than other people did when someone's sick or hurt or an animal is neglected or a child is neglected? Like, did it hurt you at a soul level and you feel like you need to do something about it? Did people notice your compassion? Were people, did they note it? Did they talk about it? Did they come to you? I think a big one on that is that people will come to you and tell you their pain. And they'll tell you what's happening in their life, their struggles, uh, their challenges they're going through. But as I say this, I feel angels coming in. They really want you to know that's, that's a big one. It's a sign for other things too, but it's definitely a sign of this. And recently, like my visit with my daughter back in October, she said, I'm having this weird thing, mom, where my palms are getting so hot. And I hugged her. She's like, what? What? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're a healer. And because that's what happens to me, it happened for it's happened for a very long time. It took me a while to figure out what was going on. It wasn't until I took medical qigong energy healing that I learned that heat in the hands is a healer. It's healer heat. That's what I call it, healer heat. So if I'm around somebody and they need healing, even if they don't say it, they're not showing it, my palms will heat up. They'll get so hot, they feel uncomfortably like they're getting, they're going to burn. And I have to put my hands out like this. I'll put them down so I'm not so embarrassed, but I'll put them down at my side and open my hands like this to let that heat dissipate because it's not appropriate to go touching strangers and saying, Hey, I think you need some healing. And, you know, it's just, you know, people didn't invite that. And I'll tell you an example example of this, but I felt it was okay because I knew her somewhat. I had my at my daughter's wedding dinner in Sedona, 
her future mother, her mother-in-law was there. They had just gotten married that day. And I had briefly met her, loved her. She's a naturopathic doctor. Hi, Kathy. And she was sitting to my right and my daughter's to my left. And we're talking, we're having a great time in this restaurant. And my hands started heating up. And I looked to my left and I could tell my daughter's energy was fine. And I looked to my right and I could tell Kathy was not. And I said, Kathy, are you in pain? And she looked at me and she said, I've got this terrible headache. And I said, can I do some healing on you? She's like, absolutely. So I, I put a hand on her forehead and I put a hand on her upper back for about five minutes or so. And afterwards she said, it's gone. She said, I don't know what, I don't know what you just did. She said, that's not Reiki. That I don't know what you did. It wasn't just Reiki. I'm like, it's just sending the healing out of my hands. So, you know, if you know the person, if it's, if it seems socially okay to ask, do it. But that's another sign you're a healer. So let's go back to what I mentioned before. Sorry, I'm having allergy eyes today. And that is that what are your passions? Are you drawn to things like medical care, counseling, social work, massage? Things of this sort where you're helping and you're healing. And it, you know, it's really healing on multiple levels. A lot of natural healers are drawn to these fields. They can be doctors, surgeons, eh, not so much surgeons, really, but doctors and nurses. That's different type. So um, think about where your passions lie, you know, and maybe not what you do for a living, but what did you really want to do that you couldn't or didn't pursue, that you dreamed of, but you didn't? And maybe your original dream has morphed a little bit because our, as we grow, as we personally grow, as we spiritually grow, we, our desires change. You know, we have different experiences and we realize more about ourselves and what we want, what we don't want. So it's likely that you may have changed. So let's say when you were young, you wanted to be a doctor. And then you realize you really are into animals and you really want to be a veterinarian. Okay. You know, I, I can go in different ways, but the point being, you you can be a healer and train to be a healer and do many different kinds of work. It doesn't have to be you do energy healing for a living. I have a lot of clients who are doctors, nurses, surgical assistants, different medical fields, and they do energy healing while they're doing their work. They just quietly do it, which I think is lovely. Um, I know when somebody's doing that. Like, I, there's a couple times I've been to a massage and I said, Are you doing energy healing on me? And they're like, I can't believe you knew that. I'm like, I'm an energy healer. So you can kind of feel it when someone's doing it. And the other thing, too, is like about being a natural healer, it can also go in a different direction. Your hands don't have to heal up. You could have a passion for herbs, natural medicine, natural healing. Um, supplements or anything natural that, or maybe even I know people who are healers who are really passionate about food, clean diets and organic foods and things of that sort. So it can go in so many different directions and don't limit yourself with that. And you have to explore within your passion. So as far as being a medium, uh, that one's pretty clear. I, there's not very many mediums who weren't born with that gift. So they've had those experiences since they were little. 
Actually, I hated it. I considered it the curse of my life. And I begged God to stop letting me see spirit. I, I, it terrified me. I, when I saw that movie, The Sixth Sense, I thought, oh my gosh, I cried because I thought that's how I felt. I was terrified. I wasn't sleeping much. I'd try to stay awake till I'd pass out. And it was as I got into my teen years and realized that they want something. And it's just like that movie. They want something. They have a message to give. They're trying to wrap things up so they can fully cross and, you know, be on the other side where they're supposed to be, not hanging around here. So if you are a medium, you might not know you're a medium. And I know that sounds so funny, but I talk about this in my book and it was it's embarrassing, but it's the truth and you need to hear the truth. I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. You know, I, that's, I'm just a human being trying to make my way through this life like everybody else. But since I was little, I've seen spirit. And I learned very young that not everybody saw them or heard them. And I should keep that to myself because I had a very conservative family. And I was told, oh, you have such an active imagination. What an imagination you have. Or you shouldn't talk about things like that. So I just stopped talking about it. It didn't stop it. You know, I, I used to say, I don't understand why every house I've ever lived in is haunted. <laughs> it's so funny. So I was, let's see, 50, about 50 years old when I was watching an episode of The Long Island Medium. And my boyfriend at the time said, that sounds like your childhood. She was talking about something she experienced as a child, and then it was almost a word for word something that had happened to me and happened many times. And it literally was an epiphany moment. Uh, people talk about that, but it literally felt like a kapow and like this light went around me. And I felt all these angels coming in. Oh my gosh, like, and I was allowed to know in that moment, oh my God, I'm a medium. Like, how can you be 50 years old and not know? You've seen spirit and angels your whole life and heard them, and you didn't know. And they, I felt really dumb. You know, I, I'm a smart person, and I thought, how? I'm very insightful. How could I not know that? And I was really beating myself up about that. And my angels finally said, Ivory, you weren't supposed to know until then. It wasn't time. It wasn't part of your path till then. So I started doing mediumship late in life, which has been awesome because I've been able to help so many people who come to me who are my age, a little younger, sometimes older. And they're like, you know, I'd love to use my spiritual gift, but it's too late. I'm too old. And I can tell them, hey, I didn't even start doing this till I was like 52, you know, professionally, like really getting out there and doing it. I had a lot of practice in those two years, but till I was 52. So you are not too old. If you feel called to do it, it's part of your path. And don't, don't, there's another limitation. Don't let age get in your way. You're not too young. There's young people who feel more comfortable with young people. There's people who feel more comfortable going to an older person. I, I would kind of wish, don't, well, I shouldn't say this. If I, I'm just saying it this way. If I looked my age, it might be more beneficial for me because people would know I have 61 years of wisdom. and that can be a real benefit in the spiritual business because you know it, you do get wiser through your experiences through the decades you live and the things that you survive and the lessons you learn, the skills you gain. 
So please don't let age get in your way. And if you suddenly realize you have a gift, please don't beat yourself up about it like I did. I wasted a lot of time worrying about why I didn't know earlier. So just let all that go and figure it. Everything happens in divine time. And that is so true. We meet the people we're supposed to when we when we're meant to. We come to realizations when we're meant to. We discover our gifts when we're meant to. Uh, I learned first. I knew I had. Uh, I knew I had psychic gifts very early. I was totally aware of that. And then when I took the inter- medical energy qigong healing, I knew right. You know, really quick. I knew I had a gift for that uh, because of what was happening to people I worked on. And that actually opened me up. So. One thing I recommend to all of my clients who want to discover their gifts or want to open up to more psychic, supernatural, paranormal experiences, and maybe galactic experiences, all, it all kind of goes together, anything high frequency of the light. I am a true believer you need to take Reiki. I think, you know, any, any, any kind of energy healing is good, but I feel like Reiki is easy to learn. Anybody can do it. It's it's my emergency energy healing. I, I became a Reiki master in my 30s. That's one of the first things I did after I learned medical qigong energy healing. I took Reiki through my psychic instructor and got a master level. And I use it for emergency healing because I don't have to have any book with me. I don't have to worry about a specific pattern. You just put your hands where they need the healing and you heal. And the reason I suggest it is not because I think everybody should become an energy healer, though it is a handy thing to have. If we all know energy healing, we can get off a lot of medication. We can help our families, our loved ones, our friends, and ourselves better, faster. But what it really does is open up your spiritual gifts. It allows you to to experience exactly what you're supposed to experience. So let's say, I just noticed that this crazy thing is not picking up my new microphone again. I have a bad feeling. Do I sound echoey, ladies? A little. So I bought this new microphone, and then occasionally it just isn't recognized by the system. Got it. I'm so sorry. I was hoping to get over this quality issue with a new microphone. Um, tech issues are abounding in the last two weeks for me. I don't know if it's mercury and retrograde, could be. Point being that when you take Reiki, it opens you up, it opens your chakras, it helps you open your third eye, it helps you open to what you're supposed to know and the skills that you have, the gifts you have. Why not do something that happens quickly? Why not do something that can give you a big kapow boost forward with figuring this all out? Not just what your gifts are, but actually your journey in general and your personal journey, your self-realization. Reiki is fantastic for that. Um, If you can't get Reiki, take a different energy healing class. There's so many different types now, that, but that's an easy one. It's a real easy one, and it's easy to find, which is why I generally recommend that one. And you might just find that when you're doing it, people feel, if people feel a warmth from your hands, there's just some signs that you've got a gift for this. 
And you can tell them, please tell me what you feel or see when I'm done, or you can do it during the healing, whatever you prefer. If people say they feel the warmth, they can tell when your hands are hovering over their body because they feel a lot of warmth coming out of them. If they feel a tingling, if they start seeing a lot of colors with their eyes closed, uh, that's all signs this person, has, the person doing it, and if it's you, it's you, has a gift with healing. And so it's a thing for you to utilize as much as you can. For many years, maybe 19 years, I did uh, medical Qigong energy healing on anybody who wanted it for free. My parents, my friends, my family, people would bring people to me. Um, I just did it because I loved healing. And now I can't do that because my back won't let me do that anymore. So I've moved on to different kinds of healing. Because as a healer, I can't let that go. My angels just presented some things to me, a couple types of healing. And then I do something that's really a, a, a psychotherapy type of healing that's been really powerful to help people with PTSD and trauma. So those are the types of healings I do. So your journey will continue. I want to talk about my somebody who works with me, Terri Ann Russell. And Kathy, you know her. Uh, she, her journey, it's been interesting. Like she, she had a daughter who was born with a serious health issue and it was life or death for years. And that child had to have frequent blood transfusions and she learned energy healing to save her daughter, to heal her daughter, which she did. And against all medical odds, her daughter is off of blood transfusions. She's happy and healthy, hasn't had to be in a hospital for years. And that was an eye-opener for Terri Ann because she really jumped into it. When she came to us at Sedona Soul Sisters, she, she already had like probably 15 types of healing certificates under her belt. And now in the last year, she's decided to just purely do nothing but healing, which I think is so wise because she knows she's got a real gift for that, but her passion is there. So she used to do readings and healing. And now it's just all about the healing because that's where her heart, her angelic guidance, and her passion has taken her life step-by-step step, brought her to that point. And an illustration with my journey is I, I started knowing I was a psychic, but I keep, so many people told me, oh, you're supposed to be a psychic. You're meant to be a channel. And I didn't want anything to do with that. I I wanted to be normal, <laughs> whatever. I don't know why I thought I could because I had a club in high school called the Don't Be Normal Club. So I don't know why I suddenly thought I wanted to be normal. But anyway, never achieved that. So I started energy healing. And then I started doing psychic readings on um, a site that was here in Sedona that was back then. It's not, it's not in here anymore. But under a different name, never using my picture. And I went on to a bigger site, never using my real name, never using my picture. And in the meantime, behind the scenes, I'm working in radio. I got a job. I got went back to school, got my degrees in psychology, went to work at a psychiatric hospital, worked in mental health for a long time. I had to keep it secret. I couldn't keep my career and let it be known I was a psychic and doing any of this work. There was plenty of people who were in the psychiatric system just because they were a psychic or a medium. 
I'm telling you that now. So um, my journey took me, finally my angel said, listen, you've got to move to Sedona. You're going to have to see people in person. You're going to use your name and your face. And I was, I remember shaking, like just shaking with terror. Like, no, I feel like I was being outed against my will. (laughs) Yet I knew long before then that if my angels are telling me I need to do something, it's part of my journey. It's part of my path. And I have to step out on that limb, literally take that. It's not a leap of faith. It was a step of faith because I stepped in tentatively, (laughs) but I went to work at a place where I was seeing nine to 11 people a day and it was pretty overwhelming, but people, um, I did a lot of mediumship. You know, I had done a ton of that, uh, with my mentor, Suzanne Wilson. She had told me do, do like four or five practice. And I did like 44 practice because I had to feel confident and prepared and okay with taking people's money, saying, here's how much it costs and feeling like they're going to get their value. And I felt confident in what I was giving them and, and passing on to them. It takes what it takes, but don't get stuck in that rut either. I'm sure like eventually Suzanne's like, listen, you are more than prepared. You got to fly now. You've got to start doing this. Uh, you're, now you're just putting it off. And she was right. So I've had to say that to students too, to say that, okay, you went through the training to be an an angel communicator six years ago, (laughs) and you're still toying with, you want to do a business, but you're toying with it. What's the hold up here? I don't know. I'm just not sure I'm good enough. How will you know? I'm telling you that you can practice, 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 but until you start your business and you set a price that's fair for you and for them. You know, you're not breaking people's pocketbooks, but you're making a living wage. And you do it and you get feedback from those clients and you do it some more and more and more, whatever you're doing. You're not going to feel total confidence. That's what it takes. The practice is what gives you the confidence. I don't care if you're doing healing, you're doing an angel communications, mediumship, psychic, empath, and you need to get out there and just do it. The other thing with that is um, one thing that I I loved about training for mediumship, which I pass on, I I paid it forward to my students for mediumship, is to train about boundaries. You know, if you see spirit, you hear spirit. I did not know till I studied with Suzanne that I could set boundaries with these spirits, and it's been game-changing. So I don't want to be woken up in the middle of the night. I don't want people poking me, spirits poking me and wiggling my toes when I'm trying to sleep. And, you know, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. So it's, you know, boundaries I knew from being in in mental health. Boundaries are critical for human to human. They're critical when you're dealing with spirit too. Don't have to worry about that with angels. They're much more polite. They got natural boundaries. So let's talk a little bit about being an empath. A lot of people still don't know that that is a spiritual gift, and they have no idea that you can do that for a living. So you really can. And no matter what you do, if you deal with people working on your empathy skills, being a better, being either an empath, you can't make yourself be an empath. You either are or you aren't, but you can improve your empath skills. Makes you better. It makes you better uh, as a 
as a person when I was doing emergency counseling for people and I was the on-call counselor for the county, you know, we had to take turns doing that. Uh, I know it helped me. People would call it and they were often hysterical or suicidal, one of the two. And I could just tune in to them and feel everything they're feeling. And it helped me bond with them and get them calmed down and get some balance, help them with their balance, get some perspective on things. And that was imperative, you know, that was really useful there. But uh, as a reader and as an angel communicator, everything that I do, being an empath makes it better, makes me better, not better than other people. It makes me a better reader because I do feel what people feel. I feel what spirit feels. I feel if people have physical issues and where it is in their body. I feel if, I feel how spirit died and physical issues they had. All of those are helpful things in reading. But what I've done is learn how to shield that. So you as an empath, you know, can learn from someone like me who teaches empath development. There's other people. If you want somebody near your area, um, I might be able to help you with that. Several of my students have gone on and have their own empath business, and that's all they focus on. So there's people who do empath blogs, empath books, empath counseling, empath development, empath support. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can take that skill, or you can just use it in your life as it is now. So what is it like to be an empath? Hmm. If you don't know shielding, before I knew how to do that, it was it was like I if I walked into a church, I would be sobbing halfway through the service because I'd be feeling all the sadness and trauma from the people around me. And I'd have to excuse myself. I'd duck out of there and go to the ladies' room and sob, and I couldn't go back in. So I didn't know how to protect myself. And then my heart chakra would be hurting. And my solar plexus, my upper stomach would be hurting like an onslaught of emotions from people. I could not go to places like Walmart where it's a big place. There's a ton of people there. There's a lot of chaotic energy. I would feel um, discombobulated is the best way I can describe it. After about 20 minutes, I would have to just get out. And I avoided it for decades. The only place I could ever go before I knew shielding that was crowded was Disneyland, a place like Disneyland, because people were happy. There, Yeah, there'd be a few people who were like raging at their kids or the kids were screaming. But for the most part, people are happy. They're having a great time. I got an onslaught of energy, but it was more like a rush. I'd feel like giddy with excitement because I'm picking up everybody's happiness and joy. And I never minded that. So that was awesome. But with boundaries, with setting uh, boundaries uh, for myself, protecting myself from absorbing all of that, I can go to Walmart if I need to for some reason, and I can stay for an hour. I've done a little test. It's actually a test I give when I train empaths is teach them these shielding techniques. Now go to a place that you couldn't tolerate before. And usually a Walmart's a big one. Walk around, walk around for half an hour. Go back out and see how you feel. If you tolerate that, try it again for an hour. Every one of them are like, I'm fine. I know. It's amazing. So when I first learned these techniques, I and I got, I'll do a show about that sometime with what they are, some of them. 
But um, when I first learned them, I was leery. I'm like, how? Oh, I don't see how something so simple is going to make a big difference with this. Nothing's ever worked. But I got to tell you, like I did test after test, and one of them so simple. And I will do a show on impasse so I can pass some of these super easy ones on to you. One of them I did as a test. I, I went into the management meeting when I worked for the county. There were a lot of dark people who were in upper management there. And I had to sit in this room at this long table for three hours, sometimes more. And there was one guy who was really dark and he would just stare at me through the entire meeting, make me really uncomfortable. And I did this one thing and it just shut it down. And I could write with one hand and do this one protection with the other hand and it just shut it down. So then I became more open to learning new techniques, even if they seem silly and too easy to possibly work, they always work. You know, sometimes you, I need to add more and so will any impact need to add more because the energy around the planet is so dense right now. So if you feel yourself overwhelmed by other people's emotions, you start crying and there's nothing wrong with you in your life. You start feeling uh, fear or raging. And if you have no reason for that, you know, you need, you need to tune into that show. It's going to be coming up because I can help you with learning how to take that out of your energetic field. So you're just feeling your own emotions and what a relief that is. And, you know, another sign that you're a natural empath is you more, you need more alone time. It doesn't mean you're an introvert. I'm not really an introvert, but as time goes by, I need more and more time alone to feel centered, to get myself reset for the next day. I'm trying to think. So where your angels come into play with this, I, I don't want to not talk about this. I'm not going to talk about angels in every single episode, but they almost always end up coming in in some way. So angels will talk to you about your development and your gifts. They will give you signs and symbols and synchronicity and music and all kinds of different ways that they give you signs to tell you to do something. And they, they guided me to take that energy healing class, you know, decades ago. I didn't even know what energy healing was. And I saw that in the paper and I heard, you need to take that class. And I'm like, okay, my angel said I need to take it. Didn't even know what it was, but I took it. It was a big commitment, but it changed my life in a hugely positive way. It set me on a new, a new fork in the road that I was meant to go on. It kind of reset because you know how I'd been running from my gifts. It put me on a path to accepting my gifts, embracing them, and using them to help others, which we're given these for a reason. So let your angels take you where you're supposed to be. If they if they tell you to listen to this episode of this show, hey. If you just felt an inner push, like, hey, that sounds interesting. I should listen to that. You're meant to listen to this show. There's something in it for you. Your angels want you to receive. If they tell you, take a class, go to an event, go to, go to this place, talk to this person, whatever it is, you're going to hear that as a message in your head, or you're going to feel it as an inner push that you just feel like you have to do this. Don't question it too much. I mean, if, if it's not, obviously dark and dangerous I and mean, your your angels will never send you to dark and dangerous they'll help you get out of it they'll guide you through it but they're not going to send you to it so if they're telling you to do something or giving you that inner push you just feel compelled to do something 
how, what is it going to hurt? You know, do it. That's a step. That's one of the little, little baby steps towards figuring out what your spiritual gifts are. You probably already know what gifts you have or suspect what they are. Now, and then really the ones you're very aware of are the ones you're strongest in. That's not always true. When I was studying with Suzanne Wilson, she said, have you ever done psychometry? I'm like, what's psychometry? She's like, we need to do psychometry. So I'm like, okay. And she brought out these items and I held them. And then she asked me these questions. And it's it's uh, just a little quick off the cuff test. And I got the first one, I got like 19 out of 20. And the next one I had like 17 out of 20. And she's like, nobody gets 19 out of 20, 17. Out you're really good at this. Like this is something you're super skilled at. I had zero idea. Didn't even know what psychometry was, uh, but it explains why I had such sensitivity to the antique armoire my parents put in my room when I was 12, that I hated that thing. Oh my gosh. It actually was in our room when I was nine in this three-story, 100-plus-year-old house. And us girls had the whole top third floor. It was like an apartment up there. And they put this giant armoire in our bedroom because there was no closet in this house. And at night, the door would open and I would hear my name whispered uh, back then, you know, my family, my in immediate family still calls me Sherry. I'd hear, I'd be shaking and I'd be so scared and I'd be looking and I'd see the door of the armoire freak open and I would duck at its covers. No, none of the other girls heard it. They never experienced it. I started taking the skeleton key and locking those doors at night. And I put the skeleton key in the bottom drawer. In the middle of the night, it would creak open. Creepy, creepy stuff. Then they decided to put that same armoire in my bedroom when I had a bedroom to myself on the opposite side of the house from everyone else's bedrooms. We lived on this really nice development on the, on the Appalachians. And that thing, it was just one thing after another with that armoire, hated it. And I'm sure it was a spirit attached to it who had owned it, maybe who built it. But the point is, be careful when you bring used things and antique things into your home. Get them effectively cleared of all energy first, especially if you're sensitive. So I hope that this show helps you just start thinking about what your gifts are, what, they, what you think they might be how to figure them out if you have no idea. So just experimentation everywhere your heart follows you, where you're, where you're hearing from your angels as those thoughts in your head or feeling that inner push, that compelling to do something different, new, just go with it. The discovery is in the adventure and it's a journey and you can't go to somebody and they're going to go, they're going to tell you, like I will know if you carry the frequency of a psychic, a medium, an empath, Things of that, and a shaman, that's a different skill too. That's a different uh, frequency. So, a shaman is not, necess not necessarily about Native American, but it is connected to the earth, to natural healing, ceremony, thing of that sort. So, um, hopefully, that gives you a good starting point. If you have questions about this and you're watching, listening to this later, most people listen on podcast platforms. Send me a message. The email is in the show description. I'm happy to answer your questions at any time. And I don't want to forget to say this. 
I have a book out, Let Your Angels Lead. It's on Amazon. Uh, it just helps you connect with your angels, teaches you how to feel, hear, and see them so that you can get full guidance from them. But it also goes into how to raise your frequency, which is the core of spirituality and the core of rising above the current denseness around our planet. Uh, it also goes into how to bring down barriers that are preventing you from having cool experiences you want to have. So until then, have a wonderful week. Next week, we're going to be talking about Archangel Michael, one of the favorites. I have a feeling this is going to be a popular episode. So I will see you then. In the meantime, may your angels surround you. May your angels protect you every moment of every day.